the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show on a brand new week. Hi, I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions. All you have to do is call us. Whatever's on your heart or mind, we'll do the best that we can to answer. 210-340-9585 is our main number. That's 340-9585 if you're outside the local San Antonio area. You can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. Numerically, that's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send them in via our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. The questions get to us very quickly that way. Uh, If you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is by using the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Our main number, one more time, is 340-9585. Hope and pray you had a great weekend. Uh, we really did. We had It was Communion Sunday yesterday. is one of those rare times when the dates just fall right, where we at uh, Calvary Chapel were able to celebrate both uh, New Testament sacraments of the church. Uh, it was Communion Sunday, the first Sunday of every month. And then we also, as we told you last week, we're going out to the river in Spring Branch uh, to do our, our yearly big baptism celebration. Uh, and we had a blast out there. One of the things about yesterday's baptism uh, that, that stood out was, um, and, and we give a chance for the people to give small testimonies, what lead them up, or led them up to this particular place, what, what are they acknowledging that God has done. Uh, and the, the 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 testimonies were were beyond wonderful. Uh, people that had really really been in trouble. Uh, people that that have been in unbelievably abusive situations. Uh, some of them young girls, and they were able to celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And to watch them get baptized to be a part of that was was just a, a wonderful thing. We have one young man in our church. Uh, I won't say his name on the air, but uh, he was in jail and facing um, 20 years in prison. And um, sort of the Lord kind of went before him and helped him avoid a whole lot of the charges. And he ended up spending six months in prison and it was in that six months God began to deal with his heart, really began to deal with his heart. And he was one of those guys who said, oh, I don't need God. I'm okay. Um, uh, he got out of jail and he um, started drinking again and looked like he was going down the wrong road. And all of a sudden God arrested him. And he found himself here at Calvary Chapel, San Antonio. And this young man got radically saved. I mean, he's one of those salvation experiences that as you're looking at him, you see the physical transformation, not just the spiritual transformation that we're hoping for, but you can see the physical transformation. His countenance changed. The, the light that was death in his eyes 
uh, became the light from Christ. Uh, and this young man has been um, now for the better part of the year, been uh, so excited about Jesus. He keeps bringing other people to church and they keep getting saved. It is really an amazing thing. And um, yesterday we were able to, to uh, give him the opportunity to be baptized as well. Had lots and lots of people out there. It wasn't too hot yesterday. Uh, so it was just really a good day. For those of you who were praying, we want to thank you very, very much for that. Hey, one other note uh, for tonight, ladies, this is particularly for you. Uh, our Sweet Summer Devotion Series has only two more weeks tonight. Yvette Aguilar will be um, sharing her heart. Uh, and this is one that you don't want to miss. And I only can imagine that tonight's Q&A is going to be uh, even more special. Uh, so if you can at all get here, we can't televise uh, the the Q&A. Um, we we want to give the, the ladies the, the chance to uh, privately, as privately can, in a room filled with women, uh, to ask questions. And we don't want anything to be left undone. So... Uh, as Paula said to you on the program last Thursday, a lot of times the Q&A session is richer even than the message that was given. So uh, Yvette Aguilar is going to be giving uh, her heart to sharing her heart tonight, and we'd love to have you come and see at 7 o'clock. Again, if you can't be here, calvarysa.com. You can watch it. Uh, Pastor Ken will be here teaching the men, uh, and then uh, we will have high school and junior high school age Bible studies as well. So virtually, it's a, a night where the family can come out. If your kids are younger than junior high school, uh, then we've got a place for them here, too. And they will have a good time, but they'll also learn about Jesus. So that's tonight here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Let's get to some questions that have been sent in while we wait any phone calls. And remember, you're more interesting than I am. So the phone calls are always good for us. Uh, my first one is from our email account. Nacho, uh, he was in church yesterday and he said, Pastor Ron, following up on your study yesterday in Luke 16, I was thinking based on the context of the scripture, the love of money by the Pharisees in verse 18, that the divorce passage was still focused on money. Uh, Jesus used the situation of divorce, which they abused so much to continue his point that the Pharisees had in fact divorced themselves from God Every man who divorces his wife, and in parentheses he is God, his wife, and marries another, money, uh, commits adultery. And everyone who marries a divorced woman, money, commits adultery. In other words, choosing money over relationship with God. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, I know where you're going, Nacho, but um, you're, you're, I think your thinking is a little bit off track. Remember, um, the, the mention of divorce had nothing to do with money. You know, in that culture... Uh, as male-centric as it was, uh, when a woman was divorced, she was just put out. And she had no one to care for her. Uh, there was no such thing as alimony or child support. Um, the men called all the shots. They made all of the rules. So this passage wasn't about money. This passage was about um, Jesus proving to the Pharisees now, remember, we started way back in chapter 14, and all the way through chapter 15, Jesus is telling parables that have the Pharisees as the negative object of that parable. And in the context of this Bible study, or this series of Bible studies, Jesus is speaking to a crowd. They're sinners and tax collectors who've gathered to, to hang on every word Jesus is speaking. The Pharisees are sort of off on the side and they're 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 looking down their nose literally. The, the study yesterday said they were sneering at Jesus, uh, and the reason they're doing that is because they know he's talking about them. And so, in the study yesterday, Jesus, no longer talking to his disciples, no longer talking to the crowd that's around him, he's talking directly to the Pharisees, and he's condemning them because their hearts are filthy. And you remember the Pharisees believed that they were the keepers of the law. Remember one of their big complaints against Jesus, that he was healing on the Sabbath. Thus he's, he's, he's blaspheming the law of God, defiling the law of God. 
And Jesus, of course, has already addressed that my Father in heaven is at work. I'm at work. If somebody comes and needs healing, why wouldn't I heal them? The, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That was his position consistently. But the Pharisees believed that as the keepers of the law, that they and not Jesus was approaching the Sabbath right. And so here's what Jesus does at the end of this passage in verse 18 when he talks about uh, the man who divorces his wife committing adultery. This really isn't about divorce. Jesus is simply proving to them using the seventh commandment that they had in fact violated the law. Now, one of the things that we have to understand when we, when we hear this is that when Jesus said, I'm accusing you of adultery, they would say, we haven't committed adultery. The women that we have in our homes that we're married to, they're our wives. And Jesus said, yeah, but because of your attitude about, adult, uh, about divorce, they were serial divorcers. Jesus said that equated to being serial adulterers. If a woman displeased them for any reason, they'd just put her away. If they found somebody younger, somebody that was prettier to them. That sect of the Jewish faith believed that you could divorce a woman for any and every reason. And Jesus said, you're violating the commandment against adultery. In other words, you're busted. And that's really what uh, the, the passage in Luke chapter 16 was all about. Not sure as you know, let me tell the, the audience here, the um, study next week in Luke chapter 16 is we'll finish that chapter. Uh, that particular study is about hell. It's really about hell. Again, talking about the Pharisees, you're going to end up in hell. And he wants to make sure that they have the opportunity to make the right choice. So not sure. Thanks for the question. I appreciate it. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Let's go to Princess on line one. Princess, thanks for calling. I've been praying for you. You doing okay? <laughs> I'm doing well. Thank you. Okay. What's your uh, question? Uh, hold on, I'm just trying to like figure out how to turn my radio down here a little bit. Okay. 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 So um, I went to the Calvary uh, North Calvary Chapel Northwest. You told me to call uh-huh. back because I was going to call about the address, and yeah. I just uh, it was just an amazing breath of fresh air. It was an amazing um, service. Um, even though I don't go to Calvary Chapel, I I, I serve at another church, but. This particular service was right around the corner from my house, and I even invited a friend from work who also showed up. I was surprised, but she showed up, and um, it was just a blessing. It was a total blessing and what we need on this side of town. Thank you, Princess. God bless you. Uh, did you get to meet uh, uh, Pastor Ellis's wife, Killian? I did. I got to meet oh. everybody. Everybody swarms you when you walk in there. <laughs> Yeah, see, they learn that here. I, I'll take credit for that, at least partial credit. And, of course, that means you got to meet the twins, huh? Yeah, uh, well, I'm not sure. I met someone named uh, April. I mean, everybody was so friendly. And um, also, it was, it was just a beautiful, it was, it was just beautiful. I had to call about it because very welcoming, very, um, you know, I like the verse-by-verse teaching. <laughs> and just, um, it's, it's just, it was a blessing. God bless you, Princess. Thank you so much for letting me know. I appreciate it more than I can communicate to you. Wonderful, wonderful okay. report. I'm, 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 I'm okay. Thank oh, you. I'm, I'm still here. I'm still here. Oh, that's okay. I just, I just gonna make a comment to the audience. I'm like a proud dad. I'm, I'm not old enough to be Ellis's dad. Well, I probably am. But uh, the idea here is, that I just, it's, it's wonderful to see your kids go out. And uh, do something good. Princess, I appreciate the call. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Um, it's a good day. Um, Pastor Ellis texted Paula and, and told her that that uh, it went better than they expected. That's always a good thing to hear. Uh, here's a question from Gail. She asks, what is the difference between backsliding and falling away completely Is occasional backsliding okay? Well, Gail, let me answer that one first. You know the answer to that question. Backsliding is never okay. You know, whenever we find ourselves getting a little bit of distance from from our Jesus, we're in a dangerous place. 
And Peter in Second Peter chapter five says, I think it's First Peter chapter five, says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody that he can devour. It's verse eight, and 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 he's waiting for you to get just a little bit of distance. Now, here's the way I want you to think about this, and then I'll talk about the difference between backsliding and falling away. Um, we have a tendency sometimes to think that, well, you know, I've been good and. You know, I, I, I want to have some fun, and it's okay because I've been good. It's sort of like God owes us a time of having fun. Then we start doing things that we know we ought not to do. And every time we do that, we find it easier to slide, fall a little bit farther away. So when we're backsliding, here's what we're doing. We're saying, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for all the glorious promises of heaven. But now, Lord, uh, I'm going to ask you to leave for a while because I want to do something that you can't watch. And we we can't um, um, imagine saying that to his face, but that's what we're doing every time we decide to sin. Now, I understand that people have struggles, but when somebody tells me that they're backsliding, it's always a willful plan. I actually had somebody, Gail, tell me, that uh, um, um, I asked him, so how are you doing? How's your walk with the Lord? Well, it's been pretty good in the past, but, but right now I'm backsliding. And I asked him, so how long that's going to last? And their response is, well, I don't know. And I said, you know, if you're not careful, you're going to find that that lasts for the rest of your life. So we need to be real, real careful. The difference between backsliding and falling away, uh, I think is clear. Falling away is is turning completely away from the Lord. You have no interest in returning to Him. You don't care about the things of the God of God as the Holy Spirit is convicting you of of the things that you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. Um, you're just sort of tuning Him out, quenching the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, and you find yourself with such a hard heart that you can no longer even feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I think, Gail, most of the time when somebody gets to that place where I've, I've become apostate, I've just simply walked away from God, I don't care anymore, uh, I think that's an indication that they never really gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Now, backsliding is a very polite term for sin. And sin is never okay. And as I said, First Peter 5.8 tells us that when you backslide, the enemy's right there. And he's going to seize upon that opportunity to do everything that he can to destroy you. Remember, that's his function. His, his job is to rob, to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he never gets any more joy from destroying someone than if that someone is a professing Christian. When you backslide, you're compromising your witness. You're giving unbelievers the opportunity to point a finger at you and say, I knew all those Christians were hypocrites. Unbelievers, especially people that you shared with, they're going to look at you and say, well, obviously Jesus isn't that important to her, so I don't need him. So backsliding is actually more evil than completely falling away, Gail. And the reason it's more evil is because we're not being honest with God. The man or the woman that says, I don't care anything about you any longer, God. At least God can deal with an honest heart. God is unable to deal with a dishonest heart. So, Gail, I hope that makes sense to you. And if you're talking about yourself, stop backsliding. If you're talking about somebody that you love and they're backsliding, pray, pray, pray. Nobody has the right to oppose God. 340-9585. I knew I was going to get a question about this. It's from Ben. He says, should Christians align now with gun control laws in view of the mass shootings? Uh, ben, I do my best to keep this program uh, apolitical. Where, where this is about Jesus, this is about the Word of God. Um, so what I'm going to say is how Christians align relative gun control is between them and the Lord. Uh, our nation gives us the right to keep and bear arms. Um, if you think that right should be taken away, then as a believer, then we should work within the framework to change 
those rights. We can um, make amendments to the Constitution. We can we can change or amend the Bill of Rights, uh, and there's a process to do it. Uh, I realize it's a slow process, but but that's the process that we've been given. Now, having said that, and I, I'm not, I certainly am not in favor of of stronger gun control laws. Um, but here's the important thing that I want to say, Ben. In our nation's history, guns haven't changed. They've always had the power to kill. Um, the gun doesn't pick itself up and walk into a crowd and start firing. Um, so something else has changed. And Ben, the thing that's obviously that's changed is the people who are using those guns. The date, date to an Ohio shooter. Um, it's reported he was fulfilling a fantasy that he's had based on the video games that he's been playing obsessively. We ought to change that. We've got a generation of, of, of kids and young adults who are watching total destruction night after night, hour after hour, staying up till all hours of the night. Killing people, not really killing people, but, but doing it on screen. And it's true that most of those people never will go out and shoot people, but with a deranged mind, to the imbalanced mental case, that becomes real. We call virtual reality virtual reality, but it's becoming more and more reality all the time. And yet we don't say anything about that. We teach our kids that whatever they want, they can have because they deserve to be happy. We don't have standards of behavior. We've, we've completely left any sort of a moral code because, well, God forbid that we should introduce people to Jesus Christ. So here's what I would hope Christians would do, Ben. I would hope that we would look beyond the, rea- the rhetoric I hope that we would look beyond the surface of a problem and find out what the real problem is. And the real problem is that we've blurred the lines between right and wrong so badly that a lot of people can no longer see there's a line that's ever been there. So Ben, what we ought to do is be men and women who pray Our prayers will be answered if we're walking with Jesus, if we're in the will of God. We ought to talk to people every day who are lost about Jesus. Are we going to stop the mass shootings? Of course not. People are getting crazier and crazier. There's outlets for them to vent that craziness, that insanity. But remember, sin is insane, Ben. And what's going to happen is we're going to have these Episodes repeat over and over and over, and all the screaming about gun control isn't going to change a single thing because every one of those people who have mass murdered others are going to find other ways to do it. Even if we make guns completely illegal, people that want to kill are still going to find guns. They're going to find other ways to kill. So what do we do? We proclaim Christ crucified and risen from the dead. So Ben, that's our responsibility as Christians. But to cave in to the hysteria that happens every time one of these tragedies happens, we lose sight of the fact that people die. This weekend, and I'm not sure what the count is, I think it's up to 34 people that are dead, there's a whole bunch of those people who are going to spend eternity in hell. They didn't know their time was coming. That's the urgent crisis in the world that we live in. People dying and going to hell. That's the problem that needs to be solved. 
And it's our responsibility then to go out and tell people that they don't have to die eternally. We can't control what happens in this world. We don't set the time of our own death. But we do determine what happens immediately after we die physically. Do we also die spiritually? Or do we live forever in the presence of God? Now clearly some of those people uh, would have been Christians. And yesterday they left this earth, or this weekend they left this earth, and ended up in the presence of absolute glory. Those are the people that we don't have to worry about. We can miss them and we can mourn them. But remember what Paul says, we don't mourn like those who have no hope. We mourn because we miss them. But our loss is heaven's treasure, heaven's gain. So Ben, avoid the political arguments and get to the real problem. People are insane with sin. Hey, we've got 30 minutes to go in the Monday program. We'd love your live calls and questions. 340-9585. You're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the program we have 30 minutes left for your calls and for your questions 340-9585 let's go to shirts now and talk with carissa on line one carissa thank you for calling yes thank you i was there at your uh at the Friday night uh, service, and I had a question about something that you said. Um, what okay. did you mean by David being the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit? Oh, boy. Fingerprint. I, I, do, you, do you remember the context of what I was saying, Carissa? You were talking about the beginning of Hebrews with... Um, oh, gosh, I, oh, I have my... Yes, I know. Because I, I took notes yeah, on... Yeah, the, I, I, I do know now, Chris, what you said. Uh, what I said was that that every um, person in Hebrews chapter 11 appears in the order, the exact order of their appearance in the Scripture, uh, in the Old Testament, with one exception, David and Samuel. And Samuel, of course, we know was a great prophet of God, but but only in that one place was the their order reversed. And what I said was, I personally think that's the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit on the Scripture, imposing on the Scripture, uh, giving David a position of prominence and priority. I don't think it was a mistake. David, of course, uh, um, um, Jesus' favorite title for himself was the Son of Man or the Son of David. And uh, I, I said, just in my opinion... Uh, I think that's just the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit um, giving us um, uh, proof of his authorship of Hebrews chapter 11. And, and this is important, Chris, uh, um, uh, I think because some of the people that we see in Hebrews chapter 11 as faith heroes uh, presented in Hebrews 11, uh, we look at them and say, uh, why in the world are they there? And I think the Holy Spirit is saying on that, trust me. So I see that as as uh, just proof of the the authorship of the Holy Spirit in setting those people apart. There's one other comment that I'll make on this, Chris, that I think is equally important. Uh, I, I think the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit there is important to us because as we read through the, the book of Hebrews or, or Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm going to do this throughout, um, when we, we we talk about somebody, God never mentions their failures. Now, when I'm teaching the chapters I'm or the verses, I'm going to be talking about their failures because I want us to learn from their failures and I want us to be encouraged by the fact that they ended up in Hebrews chapter 11 because so many of us have failed and we have a tendency to believe the lies of the devil. Uh, the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 your sins, your failures, your mistakes are gone as far from you as east is from west. 
So what I meant by that was simply that, that for me, that is evidence of the authorship of the Holy Spirit, not just, I believe, that the human author was the Apostle Paul, uh, but not just not just a man's uh, letter. It was the letter written by the Holy Spirit. So, Chris, I hope that makes sense to you. And thanks for coming. I'd like to meet you sometime. So uh, come up, get in my face so I can give you a hug. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. You know, when people ask me what what I said, I've got notes and all this stuff, but I, I can't see. I don't use the notes. And so uh, I don't remember sometimes what I said uh, when I'm done. So um, in that particular case, I do remember making that point. Here's a question from Brian. He says, let me go to the next question because it's from Sarah and it kind of illustrates the point I was just making to Grissa. Sarah said, why do you think Samson is in Hebrews chapter 11? Uh, and the answer to that question, Sarah, is because he finished well. Best thing he did was when he died. It's when he came back to God. Now, we look at Samson's life, and uh, it's one of the reasons I love studying the book of Judges. Uh, uh, Samson's life is a, a, a walking illustration of wasted potential. We look at Samson, he broke his parents' heart, he broke God's heart. Uh, he caused a lot of pain and a lot of grief. He was a man overcome often by lust. And we would think, well, why would God put somebody like him in the Hall of Fame of Faith? And the answer is because he finished well. And I think it's really important that he's in there, Sarah, because uh, it encourages every single one of us who have really blown it. It encourages us to keep walking with Jesus because there's hope and redemption. I have an older man in the church um, who was raised in church, um, walked away from God, destroyed his life and ruined a lot of other people's lives as well. And yet here, toward the end of his life, he finds his way back. And Jesus met him with open arms. I love that. And it takes great faith. It takes a man or a woman who's willing to accept personal responsibility for the condition of their their lives to come to Jesus and say, I blew it. It's my fault. Nobody else did this to me. Will you forgive me? And Samson was a man who died. The, 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 the two verses in Judges regarding Samson that just devastate me every time I read them is one uh, where it says uh, uh, Samson thought, like at the other times, he would break the cords, but he did not know that the Holy Spirit left him. It's devastating. The other one is that Samson killed more. Now, this is Philistines, God's enemy. He killed more when he died than he did in the rest of his life. He was God's rescuer, God's deliverer. And he did his job. Didn't always do it the right way. But when he died, he died in glory. So Sarah, that's the answer to the question. And Carissa, that's uh, another reason why I think the thumbprint of the Holy Spirit on Hebrews 11 is so important. Here is a question from Brian. He says, Pastor Ron, I'm considering leaving my church. There's no doctrinal differences. I'm just looking for something a little more exciting. Can you give me counsel? Um, Brian, I don't really know what you mean by exciting. Um, um, so it's going to be hard for me to answer this specifically. If, you, if you're looking for goosebumps, um, then you're looking for the wrong thing. Um, if your church is faithful to the, to the scriptures, uh, if... Uh, you're being fed, if there's opportunities for you to serve. Well, in my view, those things are all pretty exciting. So to look for something that will get you a little bit more hyped up, if that's what you're talking about, then um, that's one of the worst reasons ever to leave a church. I never recommend that somebody leaves a church unless that leaving is directed by the Holy Spirit. And the only reason, there's only two reasons to do that. One is that they are... Um, doctrinally unsound and you're not being fed. 
Uh, the other is the Holy Spirit leading you out of the place you've been equipped to a place that needs you to use your gifts um, uh, in the middle of, of, uh, of another church setting. Um, but, but please don't leave for something exciting. Brian, let me, let me share with you. I tell my church all the time, uh, I'm the least exciting person that you will ever meet. Uh, I, when I preach, I have no style. I don't shout, I don't yell, I never raise my voice even. Um, I'm not really a good storyteller or funny storyteller. Uh, I'm not trying to figure out a way to make people feel good about themselves. I'm just teaching the scriptures verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And even though I am probably one of the three or four most boring people in the world, what happens here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio is unbelievably exciting. I look out and I see people with transformed lives. I don't care if they leave with goosebumps. I want to believe convicted by the Holy Spirit and I want them to come to ask Jesus to forgive them. I want them to be filled again with the Spirit of God. That's exciting. I watched men grow to, to have princes call today. What a, what a joy that was. Um, it's exciting to me. I mean, we sent a whole bunch of people to the other side of town when we could have kept them. I could be selfish. It's more money for us if, if there's more people in church, and certainly we need a lot of money with all the free stuff that we do. But it's way more exciting for me to go send them out and see another work born especially on that part of town. The Alamo Ranch area uh, is the fastest growing part of San Antonio by far. It's unbelievable. Property values are much higher. There's so much more construction and retail. Uh, high schools, multiple high schools are being built in the area and, and, and junior high and elementary schools. That means families are going to be moving in there. I mean, they've already started, but they're just getting started. That means people are going to get saved. People that I wouldn't have been able to see. That's exciting. And think about Pastor Ellis. He was on the program Friday. I mean, if he got bored just sitting here listening to the Bible being taught, letting the Holy Spirit equip him for this work, if he said, I'm going to go find a preacher that's more exciting, imagine what he would have missed out on. Think about all those people in the river yesterday getting baptized. You see, that's exciting to me. Brian, you're going to miss all that stuff if you leave looking for excitement. So that's my counsel. I hope you'll take it. Here is a question from Jeffrey. He says, I have a friend leaning toward universalism how can I keep him from totally falling away? You know, Jeffrey, I like the way you phrased your question because anybody who who ends up a universalist has fallen away. It is heresy. You cannot be a born-again believer and at the same time come to the conclusion that hell isn't real, that everybody ends up in heaven. You simply can't do it. You have fallen away. You have become apostate. If you come to that, Jesus, we're going to talk about it in Luke chapter 16 uh, this coming Sunday. Jesus talked a lot about hell, and he talked a lot about hell because he loved people. I said, well, it's not very loving to talk to people about they might go to hell. It's the most loving thing you could do. Jesus, who is love, did it. And there is a huge emotional and even though I say it's emotional, it is emotionally unsatisfying move of young men and women to this idea of universalism. I have somebody who used to come here and they'll say things, but, but Pastor Ron, what if God is so big that we can't figure him out and he's so big he wants everybody to go to heaven? And Jeffrey, what I told this person was that that if that's the case, it wouldn't be good if everybody ended up in heaven because it wouldn't be God. Yes, God is love, but his holiness, 
His justice trumps his love. In fact, without holiness and without justice, there is no love. And that means God is required to judge sin. And can you imagine a God who would say to somebody that, you know what, I know you didn't want anything to do with me, but now that you're dead, I'm going to make you spin forever with me. That wouldn't be God. It's not free will. That's just manipulation. And so what you need to do is pray for your friend. Tell him to stop reading the Internet. My goodness, somebody has a website or somebody's got a blog. And we automatically think they know what they're talking about. There is so much out there that's horrible. It is impossible, Jeffrey. And that's what I would tell my friend if I were you. It is impossible to love Jesus and be a universalist. Because by being a universalist, you are changing Jesus is. Like the woman that marries a, a, a man and then spends the rest of their marriage trying to change him. Well, why did you marry him? Well, I thought I could change him. Well, why would we want to change Jesus? So your friend is in a dangerous place. Tell him you are, and then pray for him. But by all means, don't debate with him. Don't sit down and talk these things through. Don't listen to the YouTube videos that he's going to send you. Just keep your Bible open, Jeffrey, and you'll be in a place where you can pray for your friend and the Lord will hear. It is a frustrating thing, a frustrating thing for me when people say things like, well, wouldn't it be great if we got them and we found out that all the people were there? No, it wouldn't. Because it would be a lie. It's a figment of our imagination. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR for your calls. Here is a question from Angel. Uh, he, I assume, says, are there scriptures that command us to be members of a specific church? Uh, Angel, no, there are not. There are scriptures that say that we need to be a part of the church. But the local church, that's you go through the epistles, you go through the book of Acts. Um, those are local churches interacting together. Um, Hebrews chapter 10 says, Do not forsake the assembling together of the saints, as some are in the habit of doing. Um, but yeah, we, we've got to be a part of a church body. Now, the idea of membership, Angel, I personally take a lot of of umbrance to. Um I am not a fan of what the American or the Western church has done in terms of, I think, misrepresenting what membership is really all about. When you give your heart to Jesus, when you're saved, you are members of the universal church. Not the universalist church, the universal church. The church of Jesus Christ. But in order to be fruitful, in order to grow, we need to become a part of a local body. Now, here's what we've done. We've taken local bodies, and we've said, okay, you have to go through membership. We have to go to catechism class. We have to go to a foundations class. Uh, we have to sign a covenant agreement, those kind of things. We have to agree to give 10% of our income, all those things. None of that is scriptural. None of that is scripturally based. We do it, I think, Angel, because if I get you to commit to give me a certain amount of money every month, and I can do that with, with all the people in the church, then I know what my budget is going to be. And I know how much money I can spend. And that way, sadly, if God says to do something, we have the budget for it. We say, well, I can't do it now. And I believe that God tells us where to go. We do it, then he provides and I just think that the, the this practice of local church membership is a comfort zone for the churches themselves, the pastors, the, the leaders of the church. And I, I simply don't see that in Scripture at all. Calvary Chapel here, Angel, we tell people that if they show up more than once, 
They're a member. We, we consider members. Well, what classes do I have to go to? You don't have to go to any classes. Just come to church. Just bring your Bible and let God speak to your heart. And we do that because other people have been told in churches that they have to go through these things. They have to be welcomed into membership. I've actually had pastors call me and say, well, I've got somebody going to your church. He's a member of my church. And I said, well, if he's coming to my church, it pretty much means he's not a member of your church. Well, I haven't released him. And that, to me, is the height of arrogance. That's people that want to control other people. And I'm confident that as long as they're a member of Jesus' church, if he directs them to us, they're not my people. They're his people who are a blessing to me here at Calvary Chapel. So, Angel, I hope that answers your question. No, to sign membership covenants to go, uh, covenants, to go through um, uh, membership ratification, I think is... Uh, to, to, I just don't see it scripturally at all. Hope that helps. Zach says, Pastor Ron, I feel like God is silent when I'm praying. I want to hear from him, but wonder why he doesn't interact with us like he did with people in Bible times. Um, Zach, two things about your question that stick out. One is he does interact with us like he did in Bible times. Now, obviously, in the Gospels, Jesus was physically alive and on this earth. So he interacted, and certainly you understand why he doesn't interact with us then. In the book of Acts, there are times when when Jesus would appear um, to to some people, to the Apostle Paul, an angel Lord would be sent to to uh, to Peter when he was in jail, um, and 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 there's still that supernatural phenomenon that sometimes occurs. Jesus, if you'll if you'll dig deep enough. Um, there are appearances of Jesus in third world countries, in places where uh, other religions dominate. Um, there are, are regularly reported appearances of Jesus um, calling people to himself, just like uh, the man from Macedonia did in, in, the, in, in the book of Acts when, when uh, Paul was called over into uh, to Macedonia. So um, I think God does interact with us like he did in Bible times. Um, he doesn't need to appear to you, Zach, because he lives in you and he's with you. Now, I know why we want him to appear to us. I used to go to bed regularly praying that God would take me to heaven like he took the Apostle Paul to heaven. Uh, I mean, for many, many, many years, more than the first half of my years, um, in Christ, I've been saved for 28 years. Every night, that'd be my prayer, Lord, take me to heaven. Take me to heaven. I didn't want to die. That wasn't the point, but I wanted to see heaven. I wanted to see those things that Paul couldn't talk about. And mostly, Zach, you know what I wanted? I wanted God to tell me that I wasn't messing up. But remember, we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And that's the second part of my answer to your question. When God is silent, we have to believe by faith in the promises he's made us. Zach, if you really believe that God will never leave you or forsake you, then you know he's there when you're praying. You have to wonder if he's hearing your prayers just because he doesn't respond. Um, God's teaching you to trust him, to walk with him, to open your Bible and get your instruction. And I think when we want sort of verbal confirmation or a manifestation of God to confirm what we're doing. I think that demonstrates weak faith. You know, when Gideon kept putting out fleeces, he didn't do that as a faithful man. He, he did that as a man whose faith was weak. I think sometimes God just says, keep going. You know, Zach, maybe you can resonate with this a little bit, but, you know, um, with all the crazy steps of faith God's asked us to take here at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, uh, free school, free doctor's office. Uh, we've got a house that's free that people can, uh, women in difficult, dangerous, or troubled circumstances can come and live in, in, and live in a godly environment and, and come to church and be fed. Uh, everything that we do here at Calvary Chapel is free. And, and sometimes it was so impossible and the circumstances around me just looked like I, I, I must have made the biggest mistake ever, God. I just need to know. And when I would go out, and this is my daily 
routine, I'd go out and walk with the Lord. And I would say to him, Lord, if I'm wrong, tell me. If I need to do something different, tell me. You know what he tells me constantly, Zach? When I get like that, I get kind of whiny sometimes. He says, just keep walking. Okay, Lord, but where are we going? Are we going the right direction? If you're with me, you're okay. Just keep walking. Zach, I think this cry of your heart is God saying, just keep walking. Just keep following me. And though it doesn't seem like it, and though sometimes the doubts and lies of the enemy will torment us, I can look back on those times and see that those were the most exciting times of all because those were the times when God was asking me to come out in deep water. Um, we're running out of time, so I'm not going to go to another question. But Zach, think about when, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And Peter, just Peter, out of all the others, he said, Lord, if that's really you out there, bid me to come out to you on the water. And Jesus evidently said, it's me. So Peter got out of the boat. Everybody else stayed in the boat. Zach, I think God is calling you out of the boat. And when you get out there, it is scary sometimes. Times it's going to look like you're sinking. There's going to be waves and wind all around you. But Jesus will say, I got you. I'm here. Thanks for the question, Zach. Hey, thanks for the program today. Tonight, remember, ladies, uh, Yvette Agar will be doing a sweet summer devotion at 7 o'clock, calvaryessay.com. You can watch it, or better yet, you can join us and be part of the Q&A session afterwards. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.